Hello, everybody. Uh, we have a Monday podcast with Chris and Isaac. We recorded the My Opinion is Fact last week in the middle of the election cycle or day of day, day of, of and i i think we were not excited to do the podcast <laughs> no. <laughs> not one so we bit. wanted to do a post opening diaries of the pre-opening election diaries <laughs> and um give you something positive to nibble on because it gives you a, a state of the paralysis and anxiety so many of us were in last week and thank god sauron is dead <laughs> sauron <laughs> is dead <laughs> this episode is brought to you by vital farms no matter how you like your eggs scrambled over easy or sunny side up the people at vital farms believe in one thing keeping it bullshit free that's why their pasture raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round so you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. Thank you to Yola Tango for the music. Before we get into our, my uh, my opinion is fact, we are going to do a post-election analysis. And just for the record, I slept so hard Friday night, Saturday night, <laughs> and it's Sunday right now, mainly because of the incredible amount of THC I've consumed all week. It's just the this pot hangover um, that just won't go away. Uh, but, uh, it's weird. I am tired, exhausted and happy, but, uh, it's sort of just the beginning. How, how do you guys feel? Oh my God. I'm so tired. The emotional hangover is so rich and layered now. That was a lot, man. That was, that was a long time to just be standing on a knife's edge. Um, let me ask you this, Chang. Why was marijuana your your go-to during this time what does it do for you i don't really drink that much anymore and if i smoke it it's harder for me to control myself and with the hmm. thc I, I actually know the milligrams and i know so it just works a little bit better and ultimately it's better than taking ambien so i i really don't do it during the day i don't i mean i never have but i would say that i started a lot earlier this week than normal <laughs> Um, I just, you know, if I was drinking, I mean, I had a couple glasses of wine this week, but in general, I don't drink that much at all. Um, I did last week. I went to dinner at Spago for the first oh. time in a long time and 
It was an amazing meal. I miss dining out. We dined outside. And my resulting hangover the next morning was <laughs> incredible. Because <laughs> I just don't drink anymore. But man, do, do I miss going out and drinking wine and drinking beautiful, beautiful champagne and to lots of white burgundy. Oh, man. And I, I, I just reminded myself that there, there are time and place to drink, and I just didn't need to feel bad. And I knew that the election was going to drag on. But once Florida wasn't looking good, that made me sad. <laughs> it made me sad. And and um, I don't know. I just needed to to not think about anything. And what resulted was me just posting a lot on Twitter, which I normally never do. <laughs> Well, I talked to you a couple of times and you were, you were calm. You, you were putting on a calm face at least. I can't tell how much of that was the marijuana. Oh, I, how was, much of that I was, was your I was sad. I was very sad. We talked about it uh, on the last podcast, which I, I was surprised that people listened to and actually gleaned a lot of good nuggets of wisdom that uh, they found applicable to their lives about finding some middle ground and, and moving forward. But it's sort of just beginning and, and looking at, politics as a modern day religion and it's hard to tell somebody their faith is wrong and if there's one important lesson that we should take from this election is is exactly that that just because someone shouldn't vote for trump and they know it doesn't mean that they won't right there, mm-hmm. there's a, a big disconnect and that's partly because of who we are yeah, and nobody's ever been convinced to abandon their religion by having somebody yell at them. No. Like it's literally never happened no. in the but history. But that doesn't mean I don't like yelling at them either. No, of course. You know, so I uh I don't know. I, I just I really went straight to the worst case scenario and I realized how bad the world had gotten under Trump and I said we're still here. And if it's four more years, we'll still be here. And that's <laughs> what got me through it initially was Wow, that's really deflating, but don't have time to feel bad about it. It's the reality of the situation, and we have to move forward and 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 figure out how to mitigate the situation. That was originally how I like told myself until I couldn't, and then I called a friend who is deeply, deeply <laughs> embedded into politics. <clears throat> Friday morning, I had to trade a favor um, <laughs> to get some. And this person trading. said, "It's over." chill the fuck out with the text. <laughs> and I said, I trust this person and I don't think they are prone to hyperbole. And I was like, all right, this is the one data. It's nothing's guaranteed, but I'm going to take this. And and I, I thought about it and I'm going to accept it. Either way, I'm just going to accept that it's going to happen. So I took the positive approach. I believed it was going to happen. I told everyone around me it's going to happen. And that Biden was going to win Pennsylvania and anything else would be gravy, but that's all we need to worry about. And that proceeded to turn into a ton of other paranoid, delusional conversations that traditionally normally would come for me. But I think it scared me, too, if I was the voice of reason and calm, I would be for sure. If I was someone else, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on? So you were calm and I was I was one of the people who you were helping to calm down. Let me ask you this, though, because while I had calmed down slightly, while I had sort of gotten a cool head, thanks to you in in large part, I was in the shower listening to the news when CNN made their projection, like called it for Biden. 
And I still was just like bawling <laughs> in the shower, just sobbing. Like, did you, when they made the projection, were you still calm about it or did it still hit you? Cause it hit me like crazy. I immediately was, we need to celebrate. And, um, we went to a friend's house just to pod again with Hugo. So he could see somebody. And I went to the supermarket and I, I went to buy, I don't know what I just like, we can't eat whatever the hell's here. Cause this is not fun to eat. It was, I don't even remember what was in the fridge. It was like pancakes. It was good, but it's like, I need something. And I literally was, my first thing, this is how obnoxious I am as a person and how much I want to punch myself in the face <laughs> and how much when the revolution does happen, I will have my head in the fucking basket you for sure. You wanted some caviar on I wanted fried chicken. white truffles. That's exactly <laughs> what oh I said. God. I said, God oh damn no. it. It is, because I I, I've been so out of the loop that when we're at... Uh, Man, just hearing me, I am nauseous. When I was at the Coastal Elite State when I was at Spargo last week, and they had a white truffle course, and it was so good. Uh, I forgot. Uh, like, I, I'm the worst of the worst, man. Like I, 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 I just I, imagine Dave on on that morning wearing his top hat and tails, wandering up and down the aisles of Ralph's, being like, "Sir, do you have any white truffles?" Smoking a cigar underneath the mask. So I immediately was, uh, I would, uh, man, I was like, it's truffle season. Fuck. And uh, realizing in about five minutes in, there was no way to procure white truffles. I was like, okay, let's see what else we can get. So I bought some um, sturgeon at a whole, at Whole Foods. And so you did get caviar. Sturgeon row, sturgeon row. I did get caviar. Yeah, you did. Man, if people are listening to this, I am the problem. I, I hear this. I understand. <laughs> I, um, Bourgeoisie chain. I bought, I bought some brioche. I bought some wild salmon. I can't remember the name, but don't buy that because it it's not good. Because you can't make wild salmon, like smoked salmon out of like coho. Yes, you can, but it's not going to taste good. I should have bought the, <laughs> the one time I would have probably bought commercial farm-raised salmon. Uh, that would have been it. But I bought the the organic wild stuff, which was be good, but not in the preparation I was going to do. And then I bought some Asiago garlic chive cheese spread. And um, I should have just bought ricotta or some kind of cream cheese. To and I was going to make the homage of the Le Bernardin caviar salmon croque monsieur, mm. which is an iconic dish. It's... Again, brioche with a layer of smoked salmon, layer of, I believe, some kind of cream cheese or ricotta or creme fraiche. That's what I should have bought. I wasn't thinking straight. Um, some chives, and I think that's what it is. Anyway, I've had it several times. It's always one of the best bites, and I don't know why I thought that's what I'd make, and I made that. And when I assembled it, I was sad because I realized <laughs> it tasted you like a, 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 a poor... <laughs> made for TV movie based on a true story, like a kid falling down a well <laughs> and the whole town like mobilizing it. And it's not even, it's, it was so badly done. It's a um, lifetime movie version. You really made some interesting substitutions there. The Asiago cream cheese. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I wound up spending like 200 bucks, uh, mostly on this caviar <laughs> and the brioche. And again, like I tried to buy a whole loaf of brioche, but they only had semi loaves. Anyway, I made it. <laughs> It tasted, I give myself a four and a half to five on, on what should have been a 10, a nine or a 10. 
And then I was roaming the cheese aisle and I saw truffled Gouda for like fourteen ninety nine, <laughs> uh, like a, a pound or this is a quarter the pound. Celebration. Nobody was prepared to celebrate. They had to make the like the last minute decisions yeah. to celebrate is amazing. Just truffled. And I Gouda. looked at this and I said, "Oh, this says Gouda truffle and then truffle flavoring." And I was like, mm. <laughs> "I can't smell it through the plastic wrap." But I'm sure that this is a quarter of shitty truffle oil. Let's just do it. So I made truffle grilled cheese and I made a tomato soup, cream of tomato soup. And I hacked it by putting beef bouillon cubes in it. Not a surprise, the tomato soup. So I made that with two cans. This house has nothing, by the way. I bought two, three cans of diced tomatoes with basil and garlic because I didn't want to buy basil and garlic just for this one thing. And I bought a little tube of tomato paste. I bought a thing of beef bouillon cubes and cream, and they had milk at the house. I pureed it all in a Nutribullet, cold, because they didn't have a blender. And it wound up being the best thing I made probably in a long time. And uh, the best thing about this was I didn't tell anybody I put bouillon cubes into the soup. They're like, wow, this tastes so good. I said, I know, it's so good. I, I can't believe it. It's just, it must be all the umami and the tomatoes. I, I don't You're know. like, just wonderful seasonal tomatoes. And uh, that was a huge hit. And then I I made truffled uh, grilled cheese that was not good. It just stunk of truffle oil. <laughs> and then I should have just done the normal thing. There was some bread from Jelena. And I just used... The cheese that was already in the fridge, some like really old Swiss cheese, and I just slathered the bread with butter, put a ton of cheese, and not a surprise, what was the winning grilled cheese, the winning item of the election late brunch was the stuff that was already in the fridge. I didn't even have to go to the supermarket. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my celebration. And when we got, when we were checking out a cashier, I was like, are you celebrating? I said, yeah, we're so sad Trump lost. <laughs> and they didn't <laughs> no. quite understand the joke. Oh, my Damn. God. I know, I know, I know. Come I on. Know, I know, I know. It's true, though. Like, I don't think anybody... You know, the, the saddest moment in sports to me is uh, a team that's playing like a seven-game championship series, and they're, they've won three games, and they wheel out the champagne every every game, and they have to quickly wheel it away. <laughs> right before the players get back in the locker room. Like that's one of the saddest things that could happen in sports. And I just, I didn't want to, I think that we all wanted to avoid that moment by not being prepared to celebrate shit. Yeah. Right. So like we all had to do this last minute Gouda truffle <laughs> grilled cheese shit. And it was a, it was a, a, a hollow celebration because I think everybody was still fearful of some kind of judge court ruling that will favor of Trump, which, you know, may still happen, but, uh, I, I, what I love that the world has done is just no. We're just going to pretend that's not. What <laughs> <We're> gonna, <laughs> I know, I know. We just have to have something. Got to give us something. Oh, here's here's one thing they can never take away from us, though. And I'm sure every podcast in America is talking about this. But the fucking Four Seasons landscaping oh, press conference, oh, yes. one of the truly yes. great things in the world. Yes, D- David Chang. Let me ask you. What do you think happened with that? How do you think that that unfolded, actually? Well, it's funny you should ask, Chris, because in my THC delirium, (laughs) I I came immediately with, I believe, a beautiful story, origin (laughs) story. Please share it. Please, God, share it. 
there's two. There's two scenarios here. One is this is the power of assistance, and mm-hmm. maybe an assistant for Rudy Giuliani realized for whatever reason I'm working for this fucking dickhead. Uh, I can't believe they they saw the light, and I'm going to sabotage this terrible human being. It's like Four Seasons, you got it. That like might have been the case. It was just sabotage by a jilted, jaded assistant or someone that was in charge of everything. Like, let's just punk them. I actually think that's really what happened because you cannot make that kind of mistake unless somebody was like, fuck you. Like, totally fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that part that, like, you have to have purposely known it. There's no, there's no situation where you called the four seasons landscaping or whatever, and then got confused for sure. You made a conscious decision to book it anyway. (laughs) Like somebody did. So the other thing that I dreamed up was this was a possibly European ally that (laughs) intervened in the election. And this is the, the, the dark arts of espionage where somehow in the exchange of emails and communication, they just created a fake Four Seasons. <laughs> Didn't really exist. Gave it some ratings. I believe there are 28 ratings beforehand. Let's choose the most <laughs> insane location ever. And uh, this will cement the changing of public perception of the Trump administration. There's a mockery. So whoever it was, MI6... You know, well, it sounds like Hugo agrees with that theory. <laughs> and let oh me tell God. you what, I, what I just said were these two incredibly stupid ideas. I spent several hours thinking oh, about yeah. this. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, let's talk about one serious thing before we, we, we get into our, my opinion is fact for the week. Um, you know, last that, that podcast you referred to Dave sort of talking about the long road we have ahead even with this Biden victory, we're all going to have to make changes. We're going to have to work hard moving forward. So I've been thinking about this last couple of days. Like I have a real feeling of like new year. So I've been coming up with like things that I want to do better. What are you going to do differently coming out of this, Dave? I'm going to try not to talk shit as much. And I think this is the podcast where we talked about not cursing bet. Well, that's, I think that's in this one. Yeah. Mm. That's not going on. That's not, going over so well i probably owe 1700 bucks by now uh you will listen uh, if you continue listening to this podcast you'll hear us uh, acknowledge our swearing and uh the word like uh, anyway you'll hear this and you'll it'll make sense so you just wouldn't you just jumped in time you just did a time machine <laughs> and that doesn't make sense but it will this is back to the future yeah yeah um but i really want to figure out how to make other people understand and uh, I, it's not my natural reaction to be open-hearted and to be accepting, uh, but I'm learning. I, I think that there are ways to do that. I don't know. It's this whole, this, this entire talk of talking to a Republican or someone that tr- voted for Trump and just sort of giving them a hug. That's unacceptable, and I will not do that. Uh, <laughs> but for me, what I'm trying to figure out is to tie it into that last podcast about the continued fight, not giving up and trying to find another angle. And I don't know what that angle is, but maybe it's through food. 
maybe it's this podcast, I'm not sure. But the interim, as I try to figure out how to communicate to people that, and it's a problem that are put off by democratic communications, is to focus our efforts on Georgia, as uh, both Senate seats are for runoff. I think that is the most important thing we can do, as all eyes will be Mm -hmm. on the Peach State and rally our support to help fundraise, to help raise awareness, to help register people that are about to turn 18. I think the cutoff is December 6th or 7th to register to vote for this runoff. I've had a lot of conversations with friends already about it. I remain doubtful that it will flip, but it certainly doesn't mean that we can't try. So anyone that's listening, please uh, do whatever you can. And uh, I think we'll, we'll find some information and, and post it so how uh, to lead you to support the Senate candidates in Georgia. Warnock and Ossoff. But that's what I think we can do for the short term is focus on Georgia, help Georgia out, and long term, continue to find ways to communicate people. My big sort of Biden New Year resolution is to stop looking away. You know, I don't like to look at Twitter. I don't like to look at Fox News. I don't like to see the other side and what's happening. And last time we spoke, you know, you talked about flying over the states that you never want to visit, just never going to the places that you assume are not on your side. And, you know, what we talked about last time, whether it's because we want to win or simply because it's like the the humane thing to do, I think we've got to stop looking away from one another, looking inside. Well, that's what I've been wrestling with, guys, is is, um, once I got over my juvenile instinct of saying, fuck you, basically, I'm genuinely taking seriously, how do you talk to somebody? How do you get someone to be patient enough? I really don't have that answer. So we'll see. I want to make sure that I don't become apathetic to it because that's where my, I think I'm inclined to be right now is basically just turn away from it. But I was moved to tears by Biden's speech. And listen, I, I have a lot of friends that I don't want to say a lot of friends, but some of my friends are critical of Biden. They would much rather have Bernie or someone else. And it doesn't mean they didn't want Biden to win. And it's clearly that people hated Trump. But just because Biden won doesn't mean that everyone on the Democratic side is happy about it either. It's it's something that in some ways I was thinking maybe it's the best candidate ultimately because we need to find a middle ground. And I think that's something that Biden's known for. So I don't know. We will see. I hope that uh, his leadership uh, of, of the Democratic Party of, of now, and I liked how he said, we're going to, you know, he's trying to be the leader of Americans, not specifically of a party or the ideology. It was a fucking awesome speech. So I don't know, man. I'm open. But in terms of talking to the other side, I, I'm struggling. And we, a lot, we've gotten comments. It's too political. It's politicized. Don't talk about politics. You're going to pay taxes, blah, blah, blah. I was like, again, I'm happy paying taxes when it is the benefit for everyone else. And I don't want to live in a world where people are getting fucked and other people are not or, or benefiting from it. That's just me personally. So do I like paying extraordinary taxes? No. But I'd rather see the common good for everybody Rising tide lifts all boats. Well, my hope, my great hope is that we can return to a place where we have discourse about the things that affect people's lives. You know, you talk about taxes, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, conservative, progressive, libertarian, whatever, like <laughs> writing a check sucks. 
right? Like that's something we can actually agree on, but that hasn't actually been talked about. When you talk, when you put everything into these extreme forms of we're heading toward fascism, we're heading toward communism at the core, we're all still scared of the same things. And I'm hoping that we can return to like a level of discourse and talk about things that we have in common, even if we have different perspectives on them, you know, you know, my favorite thing to do is to try to tie things together neatly in a bow. But like, I, I really do think that my opinion is fact is like something about that. Like we, we try to have conversations about these foods and ways of living that aren't just about whether that, that don't just affect you if you're a coastal elite or, or whatever. You know, I think that talking about substantive shit is important and not just talking about, you know, well, I mean, it's one thing why, unfortunately, I think I have to focus on food. And it's why I was saying, getting not in debates, but people are like, you can't talk about Delaware and Scrapple. Scrapple is Pennsylvania. I was like, no, it's not. You can tell so much about food. And food really is a ground that people can talk about. Because whether people know anything about Scrapple or not, I would say most people don't. You know, people in Pennsylvania are like, that's ours. I was like, no, it's not. It's actually the most scrapple in America is produced in Delaware. Why I know this, I'm the fucking idea. But, <laughs> you know, I've spent a lot of time in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. I'm aware of the deep eating habits and the snack foods. And it's fun to talk about this stuff. And I, I just, I want to find common points of interest in food where people can at least have a floor that they can set where Democrat or Republican, they're going to say tasty cakes is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the reverse of that is you can really disagree with somebody on food that you agree with politically, like say supercomputer Isaac Lee, who yeah. <laughs> I share a great deal with on the political level, but very mm -hmm. little with. And, and I know <laughs> it sounds trite, level. it sounds trite and cliche, but if we can talk about differences in food, it gives us a template to talk about. That's I, it's it's, it's hundred percent true, even if it's trite and cliche. Legitimate with me and my friends in Philadelphia, we had a legitimate argument over what's the best tasty cake. I think it's important to be able to have spirited debate like that. That is the first step. Even if food seems trivial, I really do believe in being able to have these discussions. Um, and it's fun and it can be tongue in cheek and you can certainly say you're an idiot, but in a good way, you can say you're an idiot. Like I, you can't like, you know, we're talking about candy bars. You guys think that this might be trivial and frivolous other than us sort of making fun of Isaac or something like that. But if I liked Papa John's and you like Domino's and someone else says, I can't believe you support these disgusting, you know, giant corporation companies. How is that not a microcosm of the world we live in today? Yeah. I think it's important that we talk about it, which is why we've done it so much in our TV shows and on this podcast, because it may not be the perfect microcosm, may not be the perfect vehicle to talk about it, but it is a vehicle that you can find some overlap. And yeah, the more we talk about the same food, table, the better. And, and, and listen, think about this. The arguments you have over In-N-Out versus Shake Shack, people get pissed. Mm. What's the best barbecue? In Tennessee, if you're east or west, people get fucking vicious. You know, if you tell someone from Memphis you don't make the best spare ribs, people are going to get very, very upset. If you tell someone from Chicago that deep dish isn't pizza, it's a visceral response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, and, and how different, it, it's so deeply embedded, it's almost like a religious belief that I, I think that's something we need to be talking about. And whether we talk about well, it's it practice. in a funny way it's, or not, it's practice. Exactly. 
it's good practice because people hold those beliefs just like you said. They hold them like they hold their politics. They hold them like they hold their religion. And if we can practice talking to one another about our our beliefs and chips and pizzas, then maybe we can sit down and talk. And, about and you know shit where too. you get into a scary totalitarian state where it's fascist and you lose choice and you lose freedom <laughs> where? is when you tell, when I say something and I can be very, very like this. If you're close to me, uh, you'll know. Um, this is the best kind of pickled cabbage. And we're now only going to be talking about this and everything else that is a pickled cabbage is not worthy. And we're just don't make it anymore. Do not make it. Do not even eat it. It tastes like shit. Yeah. And now by saying that we, we really do influence popularity. We influence choice. We influence diversity. And slowly but surely, I would love to have kimchi as the only thing that's made. <laughs> you know, I would love it. But that's dangerous. Yeah. And, and it's why I harp on and on and on about what we ate as a kid. Yes, it was about the bullying, but it was also, you think about cultural truths. And I say this time and time again and I'm sorry if it's so repetitive, is something that was not delicious 30 years ago is now considered very delicious today. Like kimchi, for example. Or any other kind of cuisine that was made fun of or smelling or whatever, and now is seen as the hot thing. What does that tell you about the world we live in? Mm -hmm. That it is so ephemeral, and it's based on the dumbest of notions. And if we can so, sort of just like understand that and be like, what we need is, I don't like that. I don't like chicken feet. Let's just go back to chicken feet. I don't like chicken feet. I don't. If we're ordering dim sum, I'm not going to be the person that says, let's get some chicken feet. But if you, chicken feet is your favorite dish and you're like, I really want you to try this, Dave. Maybe this time you're going to like it. I know my default setting is going to be like, come on, shut up, Chris, come on, uh, just leave me the fuck alone. I have to train myself to be open to the mm -hmm. possibilities that it could be the dish that changes my life. I have to mm -hmm. hold out hope that this chicken foot, the a thousandth time I tried it, will be the one where I, I get it. And maybe I will never love it, but what I will do is learn to appreciate why you love it. And that is the power of food. And it's why we leave these things. And I want to look like an idiot because I am a fucking idiot. And I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to improve myself as an individual across the board. I am a highly flawed person. As we've talked about in this podcast a thousand different fucking ways. But the thing that I know is immutable for me is I want to get better. And I can get lazy at getting better. And I need people to hold me accountable. But going back to the chicken foot, I would love it if more people had that same approach. You don't have to love it. You just have to understand why someone else loves it. And by doing that, that creates a dialogue of respect, of goodwill. And man, I can't believe we're talking about chicken feet as much as we have, but there are a lot of more unsavory items uh, in ideology and politics that are the equivalent of chicken feet. Yeah, but the key is that the fact that even if you don't like chicken feet, the idea and the fact that chicken feet exists in the world doesn't hurt you. It makes the world better that it does. You know, that's, that's important. And but I think what also, you said is really beautiful, man. And it's also important for like, I want to say to be open to real news because I'm I just stick to the Chinese food. We grew up thinking that Chinese food was garbage. 
right? If you are open to actually getting the data, most people would think Chinese food in America is bad because that's what you were told to believe in. And you sort of perpetuate these cultural stupid bias. And I mean, sometimes you can't just read about it. You got to go out and taste it for yourself and see. And that's the beautiful thing when we're allowed to travel again, but you don't even need to travel. It's just keep an open mind. This is coming from somebody that has an incredibly closed mind. <laughs> but you're trying. I'm trying. <laughs> and, and that's the reality is if you think about it growing up, whether it's any kind of food, it was seen as something that was a joke or something that you didn't want to celebrate. Now you can, but we're getting better information. And, and I think a lot of that is, I think you have a generation of people that are getting some information from the shit they read in. But I want to talk to people with opinions that are knowledgeable and have pragmatic real world experience. So again, going back to this divide of people that might be Trump supporters or conservatives that don't want to see why I support Joe Biden and vice versa. I I think it's easy on paper to say that sucks. That tastes like shit. I'm not going to like it. And and, and we need to force ourselves out of our comfort zone and have a conversation on both sides. Yeah. On both sides. And I'm just because I'm saying this doesn't mean I'm doing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying not to look away. I got to understand why people like this thing I find disgusting. Because they're, I, I think that that's the whole point, right? Why did they like it? So well, let's get we it, just let's get into talked. This. I think that unfortunately, this conversation was way more productive than the shit you're about to hear. So, uh, if you're a true true fan of the show, stay tuned. <laughs> if you're a true fan, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing: keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let's do a quick, my opinion is fact and uh supercomputer. Oh, before I do, I, 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 I we have some fan mail and we don't oh, like talking okay. about positive reviews, but there's some <laughs> negative ones and they're good. Oh my God. Oh, no. 
Oh my god. Let oh, me just no. read it out loud. And I don't want you guys to be like, well, if I rent, if I send in a bad review, <laughs> Dave's gonna read it. That is one hundred percent. Yeah, you're encouraging, you're yeah. incentivizing this is the this bad is why behavior. We don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> Too many curse words from Foodie Mommy. I love Dave Chang and this podcast. I would like to be able to share some of it with my teenagers who love food and interested in the food industry, but I cannot because Dave curses way too much. Must he do that in every other sentence? I often find it offensive and embarrassing. So foodie mommy, I also find it offensive and embarrassing. <laughs> I, I really am trying to, to curse less. So those are the goals. To curse less. So we should come up with a pot. Every time I curse. Mm -hmm. For this episode, we should put it into a charity. And I'm going to say... Okay. It's a hundred bucks. You're going to go a hundred bucks 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 per word? Per curse word. It's got to hurt. Can we do a thing where Isaac and I just curse constantly just to make you so (laughs) tempted? No, it has to come out of Dave's mouth. No, I know. But just like he's trying to abstain and we're just going to enjoy it. So the other other thing is it's a dollar for every time anybody says the word like. That's way too much. You have two Californians on this call. (laughs) We're going to say like. Well, the word like is a breath for us. Dave, you're also forgetting that I edit this podcast. I can just edit out every single mention (laughs) (laughs) and be stingy. Fine, but we're doing a dollar for every like. No, let's please let's give to charity. A dollar for every like. And a hundred dollars for every curse word, or should we say fifty bucks? Now I feel Whatever, cheap going it's down. your money, Dave. It's yeah, your you can't money, go Dave. back, dude. hundred bucks, hundred bucks, hundred bucks for every f bomb, every curse word every that curse comes word. out of your mouth on this podcast. Let's try. Can, it. can we say that I have the ability to do three curse words? No, what? Three? No, 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 no. Do, do not renege on this. That's you just took three hundred dollars away from a charity. What if I'm the charity? <laughs> <laughs> No, let's go. Let's go. Hundred dollars right, a right, curse. Hundred dollars for every right, curse right. word. Foodie mommy, don't worry about it. We're gonna clean this act up, and I'm now gonna talk like William Shatner because I have to think about everything I say <laughs> before I say it. <laughs> and <laughs> all right, Chris Yang, what is your charity? Well, I have <laughs> up until this thing, I've been. I have to, one. Uh, go, go ahead, Isaac. The charity that I donate to monthly is the Downtown's Women's Center. Here in Los Angeles, it is a charity that looks after unhoused women in Skid Row. Uh, I have been only giving to political causes in the last few months. I've been just donating to Act Blue, but I'll I'll, I'll throw money to uh, Southern Smoke for this one. Hmm. Chris Shepard's uh, Restaurant Relief Foundation. I am choosing Equal Justice Initiative. That will be my, I, I mean, I've been supporting a few charities. I think a lot of people have over the past year plus, but uh, that will be my podcast charity of choice. So we have Southern Smoke. We have Isaac. What is the name again? The Downtown Women's Center. Downtown Women's Center. And I have Equal Justice Initiative. A hundred bucks for every curse word, a dollar for every like, and uh, the die is cast. You know what? I have to. I got to double down. I'll do two dollars for every like. I forgot. To, I have to give to my the foundation that I started. I have to give money to Zero Food Print, <laughs> our 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 climate change nonprofit. So I'll double your, down your own pro, your own nonprofit. I will like okay. totally double down, like 
a whole bunch of times. All right. I almost feel like we should make this a viral thing. Try to make this viral for every podcast out in the world. Every single podcast. Yeah, we should, the millions we should, and millions of yeah, podcasts but think out about there. It. We're just going to help people get better at podcasting. Yeah. Who the hell would say no to this? Right. I don't want to give the charity. I don't want to clean up my act. I don't want to sound like a Valley person. <laughs> I'll tell you what, as a podcast producer, I support this because that means less editing for me. Yeah. So what is the what is this name? We got to give this movement a name. What is this name? Um, it's like fuck for good. <laughs> <laughs> like fuck for good. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let us get into the challenge. All right. Slow cookers. Overrated, underrated. I don't know. I'm going to offend a lot of people, but I don't understand. If you are in a dorm room or you're in an office or if you're tailgating, I think it makes sense. I can imagine situations and scenarios where people actually need it right as a cooking vessel but for people that have a stove and everything else i don't know i don't know mm. like i think you don't all be re- replaced with a, a really good rice cooker that's all i mean i have a slow cooker i never use it though that's the thing i i, I, I wouldn't have thought it was overrated except for that i never use my slow cooker and the other thing about it is i think that because so much cooking revolves around making things tender i mean especially braises obviously I think people don't really realize that you can over-braise things. <laughs> when it completely falls mm. apart, it, it reaches like a new kind of texture that's not really desirable. But Chris, that's what people want on social media. Like when you see, what's his face, Salt Bay, or anyone else that are t- pulling the bones out of a l- long roast or a braise. Yeah, I guess so. And it looks so cool because it's a clean pull. That's disgusting. It's not what you want. (laughs) It's absolutely disgusting. It it means that every fiber of that meat has now broken down into nothing. It has Mm -hmm. disintegrated into nothingness. And you're basically eating a sloppy joe. And that's gross. So no. But that's the thing. A slow cooker is meant for like a sloppy joe and for chili. I get it. And um, Instapot has a slow cooker function. I've used it. But I just don't know if you need an Instant Pot. Instapot. It doesn't make things any easier than it does to put it into a Dutch oven. I mean, yeah, I guess you can just set it for 12 hours, but like you were saying, once the meat has fallen apart into individual strands of fiber, like that's not... Oh, I said It's like, really important for tailgating stuff, for nacho cheese, but you're really limited in what you can cook. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're limited in what you can achieve through that cooking because it's either going to be completely decimated or... I used to make Sevy's dog food when I made it from scratch in a pressure cooker. <laughs> All right, there's your <laughs> Not a pressure cooker, a, a, a slow cooker. But no, I, I think um, uh, overrated, but I'm sure people will say it's underrated as well. Mm. Underrated for dog food. Underrated for dog food. All right, moving on. Pretzels, overrated or underrated? Well, you have to decide which one, which kind. All, All are overrated. General no, pretzels no, in general. No, no, no. Absolutely the only, not. The only pretzel that's not overrated to me is a peanut butter filled pretzel. <laughs> I'm a West Coast kid, man. I don't know. I don't know anything about bagels and I don't know anything about pretzels. I have the wrong answer. But for me, I've so never I, had a pretzel. I'm going to really tell loved. you right now that you're wrong. 
Snyder's pretzels. No, th- those are overrated. The the ones Crunchy. that are mo- normal and the giant, mm. the Amish ones, right? They always say like Dutch County, whatever pretzels. <laughs> those mm-hmm. are also, I don't like them. I'm not going to say they're terrible. I just don't like them. There are some pretzels. Like, I don't understand the honey mustard sourdough nugget things. Those are weird. I don't know. I don't understand. I also think that New York City pretzels are unacceptable. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> also, I don't understand. Again, I know we've talked about it in the past. Like, why would you put mustard on a pretzel? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. You know, you don't put mustard on a slice of bread and eat it. You know what I mean? I don't get it. So I don't get far, it. you just are agreeing with me here. I said it's overrated. <laughs> I said it's overrated, yes, except you can't put all... All pretzels are not the same. Mm-hmm. Auntie Anne's pretzels... Ah, you got me. ...are so choice. I can't... Damn it. It, it sometimes makes you wonder, why are they only located in airports? And shopping malls. And shopping malls, because it's so amazingly good and everything about what they do is great and it's done all in minute there's no trickery you know, what, you know what the auntie Anne's that's truly underrated for me is the pretzel pretzel dog the hot dog yes. inside of a pretzel holy yes. cow holy lord wetzel's pretzels is also terrific mm-hmm. like it a lot and again when they're coming out hot brushed with butter and the salt i think that is a sublime eating experience. So anyone that's going to talk crap about pretzels, you got to go through me first. <laughs> All right. What about, what about a, you know, you go to a fancy restaurant and they've got a pretzel on the menu, usually at a, you know, upmarket beer hall. Do you like that pretzel? Always with grainy mustard? No, I'm there to drink the beer. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I mean, listen, because it's, it's like treated with the, the 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 alkaline solution, so it makes it taste pretzely. I get it. What I find as an abomination are pretzel buns. Not good. No, stop. If I was supreme dictator, I would eradicate those from existence. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, he would run on that as his main platform. <laughs> Eliminate pretzel buns. David Chang, twenty twenty four. Pretzels, pretzels, Auntie Anne's. That is a pretzel, and that I think should make it. It is underrated. That is severely underrated. And the hot dog pretzel, you know, if I didn't look, if I didn't want to look like such a fatty, I'd eat like two or three meal. (laughs) Yeah, constantly. There. And again. I, I, I want to order it every time I'm at an airport, and I do. Uh, let's do wine snobs or beer snobs. It's clear to me that beer snobs are worse than wine snobs because there's more of them. <laughs> Just by sheer mass? I think that... Um, who would you rather hang out with? A wine snob snob wine, wine, wine snob? snobs. Because, wine snob. Wine snobs. Because they sure. drink fucking awesome shit. <laughs> Yes. That's oh, I just another right another two hundred bucks. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in any movie was in Sideways with Paul Giamatti when he's drinking the Cobb Franc or whatever, and he puts his finger to his ear and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's "Oh man, good. that's that's good." Like you can make fun of wine snobs, and I think wine snobs can take it. 
right? Because mm. I think they understand the absolute absurdity of what they're doing. Beer snobs, they're fundamentalists. <laughs> they're orthodoxy, <laughs> and you, you know it's hard. You you can't you can't poke or prod them. I mm. think that that is probably true. Uh, you know, the extreme wine snob, the put the finger to the ear and sniff the wine is not fun to hang out with. But on a, on on whole, contraire, there's so much fun to make fun of <laughs> so when you're with contraire. them. <laughs> but here's the thing: if you're if they're picking the drinks, if the wine or beer snob is picking the drinks. The wines, it's more fun to hang out with the wine snob because you're going to drink good stuff and the beer snob is inevitably going to pull out something that is going to be disgusting to you. Well, let's break this down. Barley what kind wine, of wine, let's break this down. What kind of wine snobs are there currently in 2020? Let's talk it out. There's like a Nordic natural wine snob. It's not just the Nordic. You have, let's go from the OG, OG kinds of wine snobs. You have the Robert Parker wine snobs mm -hmm. that only care about points and you have the worst kind of wine snobs are the top tier sommeliers that don't work in restaurants that are some of them are really close friends of mine so <laughs> just calling them out just call them out but not all of them but some of that group are bad because they act as influencers and they have this over mm. self-important sort of sense of self much like chefs i mean you know it takes one to know one Right. So <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I just I, I find it crazy because they think the whole world revolves around them. And, and because the world is so small, they have a lot of power and it, they think it exudes in all other aspects of their life. That is, to me, a very bad version of the wine snob. Then you have the wine, Robert Parker only talking about points. And then you have a wine snob that is like non. Uh, how should I say? Old school. They they only like old school wines. Yeah, either old school, old style, old world, or price tag first. Right. And they only buy auction houses stuff, right? And then, I mean, I think on top of all that, you have the billionaire wine stuff, which actually... The collector. The collector. And even in that group, there are some of the worst people in the world, and there's some people that are incredibly <laughs> generous. Uh-huh. Mm. And then I think you get the modern day wine snob, which I lovingly call the James Murphy wines. <laughs> my, my friend James Murphy of LCD, he is a, an incredible onophile. And I like these wines. I just like making fun of it because it gets everyone so fucking pissed off. Another hundred bucks. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to drink a wine from the Jura region ever again. And wait, wait, so, so that's two different things. One, do you not like oxidative Jura wines or do you like making fun in of a, them? In a Vinjon sauce? Yes. Ooh, yeah. As a, as a, I, I have this theory that my personal theory that a lot of people, younger people really appreciate these natural wines, oxidized whites, because it's something that they can have access to. Mm. But objectively, it's not better than Raveno or my, you know, my preference of super snooty, you know, white Bordeaux and Burgundies, right? Like I, I can admit that I, I love drinking them and I like hanging out with my friends that drink <laughs> that stuff, <laughs> but I'm not, I don't love all the oxidized whites. I don't want to drink a, a wine that smells like, Horse shit. 
<laughs> that doesn't count as a hundred right there. Cause that's, that that's doesn't a legitimate mean that I don't appreciate. Note. Yeah. But there, there's this legitimate taste note and there are like, I, there are some beautiful purveyors and bottles of wine of natural wines. I'm not trying to say no to that, but what I dislike about this genre of the wine snob is when they dismiss everything else of the old world and they only like natural wines. That to me is problematic. I think that if you're going to like wines, you should like sort of all of them with exception of Malbec. That's just me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Malbec is a great drinking wine. If you're drinking with a cigarette and you're eating a piece of meat and you're in South America, that's delicious. But Malbec (laughs) as a wine is not a good wine grape. It's a situational. It's a situational. I, I mean, I think, but I know nothing. I don't know pl- anything about wine. I'm just <laughs> no. Uh, but what you're talking about applies across the board, right? Anything that becomes when you're single minded about one thing and you're you, you don't you can't appreciate anything outside of your like a, a narrow um, field. It's never really a good sign. But what are you closest to of those of those five categories of wine stub? Who do you feel the closest affinity to? I am the worst hypocrite of all time because it's. <laughs> I like everything and I drink mostly bad wines, but I only really appreciate yep. the really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, gosh. But the really I mean, good it, stuff is so good. It's, <laughs> it's the problem. Uh, I mean, it's so cliche to say, oh, I like, I like, you know, Chardonnay, blah, blah, blah. But it's true. I, I, I really, really, <laughs> I like what is considered the collector stuff by super, super onophiles. Wow. You know, yeah, Dave mean, Chang, host of Ugly Delicious. Listen, I but, mean, but it's also true because it pairs, it goes well with everything. Yeah. Okay. And listen, I mean, I don't want to admit it, but hunting humans is just fun. It's just wonderful <laughs> to hunt people. You know, it's just so, it just gets so oh, thrilling. Goodness. Uh, all right. Let me throw another one in there. Let me throw a, a, a let me play supercomputer here for a second with Dave Chang. Sure. Sour beer. Overrated, oh. underrated. Uh. No. <laughs> Just no, no. No, it's not. Like, again, like the, I'm going to say they're all overrated. I want to have the choice where I can like things that are bad and good, right? I like the high and low. I like mixing these things. I, I My problem with the super elite people that only drink the rarest verticals and vintages of Burgundy and Bordeaux is that Anything else is total garbage. And it's very expensive. You go to a restaurant, you're looking at, you know, $300 to $1,500 easy, right, for a bottle. That's crazy expensive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These are celebratory wines. I know people that drink this every day. Yeah. They refuse to drink a yellowtail. I'll drink yellowtail. On a glass of ice with ice, I, I don't care. It's a it's a beverage to me. So I want to be able to say everything has its time and place. And I, I know I was talking sh- shit another hundred bucks to, about Malbec, <laughs> but like I like Malbec, but everything is situational, and that's what System I mean. Quarterback. It's and and I don't want to say mm-hmm. that I can't like something, and that's the same problem I have with beer snobs. You have people that only like the Millers, the Coors, and the Bud Lights, and they say that everything else is total garbage, right? And then you have the people that only drink ales and lagers and IPAs. And (laughs) you couldn't even say IPA without mouth barfing a little bit. It's gross. And uh, they refuse to drink anything that's commercially made in big batches, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, it's. 
another buck for me. They're all good. Like you can appreciate all of it. And I, that's what I want. I think what is underrated is someone that is a connoisseur in wine or beverage or beer and say, I like the low end and I like the high end to be able to say it's all garbage. It's all sucks except for the stuff that I like. I find that to be problematic. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. I think that the best sommeliers can recommend you something for situationally. And sometimes mm-hmm. uh, a $10 bottle on ice is actually what you need, <laughs> you know? And if you're eating, you're eating Thai food or Lao food, a Chang beer on ice is the best thing you could be drinking. You wouldn't want to drink an IPA with that. So, I mean... I guess what I hate is the, the, the snobbery. I think there is healthy snobbery because it allows people to have pockets of wisdom and domain expertise. But what I find to be very off-putting and often allergic to me is when it is a absolute. I think absolutes mm-hmm. in anything, particularly in the beverage food world, are not tolerable. And I want diversity. I like it when a saw mixes it up with a variety of things. If I tell you I like to drink Coca-Cola or Diet Coke, there are people who are like, oh, that's disgusting. But if I made it myself and it was small batch artisanal, then it's cool. I get it, but I also don't get it. And Mm -hmm. the thing that I like to do is to not necessarily be the gadfly, but just to be an obnoxious jerk is just poke both snob groups. (laughs) And I feel that people that get the worst reactions, the, the most allergic reaction when you poke are the beer snobs. They get yes. militant. Yes. But it also needs to be said that the anti-snob stance, like the sort of the I'm only Miller High Life, and if you like fancy beer, you're an idiot. Wine snobbery is stupid. Wine is stupid. There is like a sort of anti-intellectualism there that's also virulent and, and should be weeded out. But Yang, we, we, we're doing this. One of the episodes that we're doing for one of the TV shows, one of the many we're coming out with, deals with sushi. And a lot of the topics that we're choosing this year are high and low. And sushi is very difficult to discuss in an hour episode of anything. It's got to be a lot longer. So we, we're trying to figure out how do you explain to people that the world of sushi, like anything else, the deeper you go, the more insular it is, the more sort of impossible of access. Like it's very difficult to know what super high end sushi is because it's very hard to even get in the door. And once you get in, you may never go back. And I know a lot of the sushi snobs that I'm friends with refuse to eat, you know, a maki roll or something that you might get at a supermarket or at a more accessible, cheaper priced Japanese restaurant. And they consider that garbage junk food, right? The spicy tuna roll crunchy or spicy scallop roll, that kind of California roll with the imitation crab meat. I find it to be problematic when you thumb your nose at that. And I like them both. They all have their time and place. And I feel mm-hmm. what we need to be really much more aware of is understanding the privilege and the opportunity someone has to actually have these different perspectives. Well, the last thing you want to be, the last thing you want to be and and what you risk being by being a wine, beer, pizza, sushi snob is the snob that doesn't know anything. <laughs> like when you think you're a sushi snob or you think you're a wine snob and you think you're an intellectual about these topics and you find out that you're not and you've been preaching something stupid for years. That's the last thing you want to be and that's the last person I want to hang out with. 
Well, I tell you, Chris, that's 99% of all sushi aficionados in America. (laughs) Well, it's your favorite thing to say, right? The only conclusion you can come to as a human is that you know nothing. And you've got to just keep learning. Uh, Moving on. Oh, this is one that I'm really passionate about. Kim. Mm. Overrated or underrated? It's now overrated. Oh, you think Kim is overrated now? Yeah, jump the shark, man. Okay, okay. When I see wasabi-flavored Kim... Uh-huh. At Price Club, <laughs> I'm happy that it's overrated. It's sitting next to me right now, but uh, yeah, I'm eating the Costco. I'm eating the. Here's how it is overrated. This is the Costco pack of Kim. <laughs> That's what I'm eating <laughs> right this second. That's how it's you oversaturated, know. underrated, oversaturated, underrated. Most of my life, and now if I had to put money on a food that was going to become popular, never would have guessed it would be seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac, you feel yeah. passionate because you think it's underrated? I feel underrated? passionately about Kim, and I think everyone should eat Kim. <laughs> like, it's so good. It's just, it's brilliant. I, I don't know. Dried seaweed. I don't know what, what about Isaac, it makes it so good. But. Where were you when I was growing up? Because <laughs> I can tell you what would have happened to you. You would have gotten beaten up. Of course. Yeah. yeah. They would have stuffed your pants full of Kim. That's why then. it's overrated now to me is... The same people that made fun of me for eating Korean food are now serving their kids mm-hmm. the foods that they made fun of me over. Mm-hmm. So this is a justified curse word. Fuck you. And fuck yes. us. <laughs> Not fuck Thank you, you. <laughs> to the proverbial carpetbaggers of Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do resent the, the kind of hypocrisy of people who you know for a fact in their youth. I mean, it's, it's unfair to hold it against them as children or, or as teenagers, but people who were at first like resistant or I said like again, sorry. Um, people who are resistant or... <laughs> now we're going to get, get comments from people that are saying, I wish they would just go back to the old podcast where they wouldn't talk about <laughs> saying like or curse. <laughs> I wish these guys would just talk faster. It seems like they're really uh, we're overthinking all like, every word they we're say all now. slowing down and chewing, <laughs> masticating each syllable. And, and, and just for the record, we are recording this the day of the election. Yeah. I don't think any of us are mentally sharp no. right now. No. I, I, I feel out of place and I don't know what the hell I'm talking about and I want to make this a really good content but forgive us if this is not a great podcast yeah um, I don't think any of us really got much sleep I slept like 90 minutes max last night <laughs> I'm not even here right now I don't know what, what did you guys stre- what did, well, hold on what did you guys stress eat last night Ooh, what did I eat last night if I <laughs> everything remember cashews dried fruit keem leftovers my kids Halloween candy chips um, oh, I had, yeah, we had Hava chips. You ever had those? Like the soy sauce tinged tortilla chip. Uh, ice cream cake for my daughter's birthday. <laughs> I already said leftovers of various sorts. Mm-hmm. Just some handfuls of deli meat. I went a little bonkers, guys. <laughs> wow, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's impressive. <laughs> that was all after 10 p.m. I had a pretty normal eating experience yesterday, but late last night, I like reached into the fridge and grabbed like an entire bag of frozen blueberries that I have. And I just ate it. I just ate (laughs) the entire thing, the entire bag. Like a poo bear? You just like reached your paw there and just had berries all over you? (laughs) No, no, it was like, you know, they sell frozen blueberries in in the market. I just have a bag of them. And I was like, I don't really want to eat anything that's substantial right now because I think that's too much for 
1 a.m., but I want to eat something. And all I saw, you know, fruit is generally healthy. It has fiber. So I was like, I'm going to eat this bag what of a blueberries. Noob. What a noob. What a, what a noob. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how to stress eat, man. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> You, you get you. If I could give you a demerit, I would. It was like one a.m. I was like, I don't, I don't want to order anything. That is a green light to make yourself unhealthy. Can I also say this? Do you know I'm so, I am so far away from being able to order something at one a.m. in my life situation. Mm-hmm. Like the freedom you have to order some food at one a.m. Do not waste that. Treasure that, man. As a solo person, come on, treasure that. <laughs> Earn I mean, this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Come on, Dave, okay, what are okay. you stress eating? I ate a bag of uh, chicharron. Oh, yes, throughout chicharron. the day. I ate a bag of shrimp chips, Thai shrimp chips. Then I ate shrimp chips of kalbi, the spaked uh, hot garlic <laughs> flavor. Then I went into finishing a strawberry pokey sticks. Oh, I had a Shake Shack ch- cheeseburger. <laughs> then oh, I, did I, say, I also had a bag of wasabi peas I wanted to add that I had a whole bag of wasabi peas by myself sorry keep going then I also had Jagabi potato chips the, but the oh. fake french fries the Korean french french fries that mm-hmm, I'll talk about mm-hmm. later another day that are the best snack food of all time talking about pretzels I forgot about something Dots pretzels which is maybe the best snack food out there right now I had a handful and mm. um Oh, I I finished off some pizza that I took from Dave Cho's house at around two in the morning. I had a crazy munchies around two in the morning because I ate some edibles because I couldn't go to bed at twelve o'clock and they kicked in <laughs> at like one thirty. <laughs> edibles count as stress eating. Edibles count and then I as finished some uh, from hummus around that time as well. And then <laughs> I had shin ramen black at around two thirty. Yes, and, it's gotta have uh, been a while since you had a bag of shin ramen. Just and for Grace fun. is probably going to listen to this. I was industrious enough to then take out the trash to to remove the evidence. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. That's crucial. That's a Shin crucial. Lemon Black. Shin Lemon Black. If you don't know, is the best. Is so good. I posted about this recently on my Instagram. It's amazing. But Isaac, do you understand that? that gift you have dave and i have to take out the trash <laughs> when i eat leftovers i have to kind of jiggle them around in the tupperware right. to like resituate it so there's not just like a scoop taken out of it you as a man living alone yes can't have only your I own no shame to judge you just stress eat man a bag of frozen yeah. blueberries are you punishing yourself i mean i'm trying to eat i'm trying to be healthy i don't want to ruin that's my body stress, because I'm stressed. that's not stress eating man what, that what, is giving what, me stress thinking about you eating that bag of blueberries. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So part, part, part of the reason I feel so terrible was not just the lack of sleep, but the pain I put my body through. <laughs> I, I, it was self-flagellation. And I, it wasn't even enjoyable. None of it was enjoyable. <laughs> You're fighting Nothing fire with I fire. Ate yesterday was unjo- I feel like shit because of what I ate yesterday. And it's okay because I am in a constant state of food, pain, fog. <sighs> and that's my blanket for today. And you food will never understand fog. what that's like. We're gonna we're gonna have to make a t-shirt with the uh, food pain fog. <laughs> food pain on fog. Yeah. Uh, oh man. I oh yeah, I tell you what I made for lunch. Sure. Turkey sure. meatloaf. Oh wow. <laughs> okay. Turkey meatloaf and broccoli cheddar cheese soup oh, with leftover mashed god. potatoes from Recipe Club. Oh my god. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Nice. Oh, I forgot about something I stress eat. Uh-huh. I had 
a box of Twizzlers and a box of Starbursts. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Oh I my had, god. I think I had four. I think I had three to four bags of my daughter's uh, Sour Patch Kid watermelons, which were. Very but I good. did not crack open the ten pound bag of Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh That's God. for today. <laughs> <laughs> that was for a special occasion, the end of the world. I guess I was very ill-prepared for this week, comparative to you guys. I just reached for healthy stuff. What are you trying, um, to, live? What are you trying to live longer? <laughs> <laughs> you enjoying this, Isaac? You I, I guess, I guess maybe, I should, maybe I should try to cut it short. But um, <laughs> let's close out this podcast with a very simple, overrated, underrated Pringles. Love it. I love Pringles. I love Pringles imitators, knockoffs, because there's so many. Frito-Lays has like jacks or something. Mm-hmm. Japan Stacks. has their version. Stacks. China. I'd argue it's one of the great modern inventions of the past 100 years. Mm. It is exactly what, in some ways, potato chips should be if you're going to reinvent it. It's stock. It, like, it's amazing. Sour yeah. cream Pringles, very good. Barbecue flavor Pringles, very good. Regular salt Pringles, very good. All the Taiwanese flavors of all the different kinds of imitators of Pringles. I think it's almost impossible to find a bad Pringle flavor. Mm, mm. Once you pop, you can't stop, and that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, as a kid, I would eat a whole tube of Pringles. I like them less now, ex- with one exception. The pizza Pringle is my favorite. Pizza flavored Pringles. The only thing that's upsetting about Pringles is is when you are forced to eat a small tube. (laughs) And there's three sizes. You have the tall, obviously. You have the short stack, and then the the sort of in between the middle. You know what I also find upsetting is my fat hand can't fit all the way in there. I feel like Winnie the Pooh every time. I don't think anybody's hands really. I know you turn it, you invert it. I know you turn it over, but I want to get my hand in there. But that's when you got to do the Pringle shake. You got to do this. You got to break it up. You break then, them up into little chunks. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the gotta, audience's gotta, sake, Dave. You got to like shake it Dave up. Dave Chang is shotgunning a can of Pringles right now. Yeah. That's what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, you got to you gotta do the jingle, jingle, jingle with the Pringles. And then you basically drink <laughs> the crumbs. <laughs> Come That's on, what man. I do at the end. I am an Come amateur. On, I am man. an amateur. I was trying Come to just on, get, man. I just I was just getting my fat little paw caught in there, caught in the Pringles jar over and over again. But now I know. I now I know the the shotgun method. Man, man. The more you know, 